Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome a regular guest, really, on uh, Viewpoints, Trevor Cobbold, who's the National Convener for Save Our Schools. Welcome again to Viewpoints, Trevor Cobbold. Oh, good day, Henry. Um, good day. It's, uh, it's an interesting time, and um, you've put out some papers. Uh, uh, one that's really attracted our attention is, 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 is creating quite a bit of conversation out there, Trevor, so I thought we'd go straight to the person who wrote it. The disadvantaged burden of public schools is three times that of private schools. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, in a sense, well, in, in a sense, in reality, it's not new. We've just got some new figures published earlier this year from the Australian Bureau of Statistics and the Productivity Commission's report on government services on enrolments and funding. And so it gives gave us a chance to update figures we've been using for several years. And what they show is nothing's changed. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and part of the, the first part of the figures are about enrolments, uh, according to... Um, a background of, of of parents, and what what they show is that enrolments of uh, what what are generally called disadvantaged students, that is students from low income families, Indigenous students, uh, remote area students, and disability students, enrolments of those those students in public schools are over double that in private schools, and. Uh, and and the the additional fact behind that is that the majority of those students, over eighty percent, attend public schools. So the burden the, the burden of disadvantage um, carried by government schools just on enrolments alone uh, is double that of private schools. Now, even though they enrol over 80% of disadvantaged students, the income per student of public schools is only 80% of that of private schools. And so when you take that lower lower income into account, the burden moves out to about three times that of private schools. Now, much of this uh, is, is, is work and, and, and data that we've looked at and argument we've looked at before, Trevor, but uh, Gonski was meant to address this uh, issue to some extent, some substantial extent, uh, and and it appears as though it's uh, it's gone the other way. Not only has it not addressed it, it seems to be getting worse. Why is that again? Well, a, a couple of points to be made um, is that the Gonski effort, while very, very welcome in, in terms of focusing funding on equity rather than choice. I mean, in that sense, it was a a landmark report. But one of the things was that the loadings that they put into um, disadvantage, while significant, were never as big as what all the research showed was necessary. And then in addition to that, the 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 Gonski funding increase was in in 2011 dollar terms was about going to be about six billion over six years, and that would have made a very significant uh, 
contribution to addressing disadvantage. But the Gillard government, uh, the, the Rudd government was defeated and the Abbott government took over. And then ever since that, ever since then, 2013, the Liberal National Party coalition government has been demolishing the Gonski plan. And the first stage of that was to not to implement the last two years of the funding increase, which would have amounted to about $4 billion. The other factor, the, and, and since then they've been undermining that model to the extent that the Morrison government started giving money outside that, that model to increase funding for private schools outside that model. So much so that the, the, the private schools will continue to get a massive increase in funding for the rest of this decade, while state government and while the Commonwealth has also increased funding for, pro, for public schools as well, state governments have reneged on their obligations they undertook in the Gonski model, and they have been largely cutting funding to public schools since since then. And when I say cutting funding, I mean it in real terms, that is adjusted for inflation. So it's a measure of the real resources available for schools and they've gone down across the country according to state government, the state government funding program. So that's why we're in this very, very difficult situation for public schools that are, that's likely to continue unless there's a dramatic change in in the the funding approach of the Commonwealth massively favouring private schools and in the approach undertaken by state governments of not assuming their full responsibilities for public, school, for public schools. So in addressing that issue, one of the challenges we've got is historically um, the private schools seem to have done pretty well and there's been... Uh, commentary that too many of our politicians uh, either come from or have their children in the private school system and uh, that there's almost a conflict of interest there potentially to explain that outcome. Uh, have, have you come across that sort of uh, data, evidence, oh, yes. commentary? Well, actually, in last weekend's Sydney Morning Herald, there was a remarkable study done by uh, the Herald Education journalists on um, the proportion of um, power brokers in New South Wales who went to private schools and the vast majority did. <laughs> so it's no surprise, is it? <laughs> but the other the other interesting thing that happened, I think it would have been towards the end of last month, is that the, the Catholic Archbishop of Sydney, Anthony Fisher, came out and admitted that Catholic schools have never had it so good. That's an amazing statement to make yeah, when he we said, look at he public said, schools. He, he said, I think we'll actually, we've actually got it as good as we'll ever get it, and probably for a long time, he said. It's, but then again, at the same time, and this is, this is the, remarkable, the other remarkable thing about funding trends and, showing, and it shows how well public schools are doing despite their underfunding, is that Fisher also admitted that public schools had better student results than Catholic schools. And he wanted Catholic school he wanted the Catholic school sector 
to investigate why they, why they weren't doing as well as public schools. So despite, so despite the contradiction in resourcing, public schools are facing up to their challenges, but the, the, but the problem is that on the basis of the raw scores, there are such huge gaps in achievement between rich and poor that we're not making any progress in reducing it. So mm. while while public schools are doing really well compared to private, to particularly uh, Catholic schools, but also in relation to independent schools, when you take advantage, when you take account of socio economic the socio economic composition of schools. Um, the fact is that on the raw scores, we're still the most fundamental challenge facing Australia is the high inequity in student outcomes. Mm. It's 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 a it's an ongoing issue. Trevor, we need to take a short break. Can you hold the line? Yes. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossek, and I'm chatting with Trevor Cobbold, National Convener for Save Our Schools, and we've been reviewing a paper that Save Our Schools put out uh, very recently. The disadvantaged burden of public schools is three times that of private schools. And it's an interesting one, Trevor, too, because um, we bat pretty well, given all of those uh, factors that mitigate against it, and yet... Um, in terms of uh, PISA and TIMS, we we struggle, uh, even though, and I think we covered this not that long ago, there's some question marks about the validity of the results of PISA in particular. Yes, yes, we, we, we did talk about it last time. Yes, I, I, there are doubts about the PISA results. Everyone, I mean, I just noticed that the... New South the other day the New South Wales product to get New South Wales Productivity Commission produced a report a white paper and they ran the usual line that you hear from Liberal governments everywhere our results are falling but the but the the funding levels are going up well they're only going up for for um, private schools and but there is significant doubt about the figures that they quote on PISA for two reasons one one is that they don't they don't take account of the very high proportion of students in Australia who don't fully try. And the OECD openly admits that something like 75% of students doing PISA in Australia don't fully try. And that has to be one of the factors behind the the so-called decline in PISA results. Absolutely, uh, it, it certainly does. And of course, the other factor that um, some people are uncomfortable with is that um, we belong to a very small collection of OECD countries that has such uh, an investment in private education funded by government. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, Trip- if, anything, if anything, the results show that private schools are not doing the job efficiently. Exactly, exactly. Now, Trevor, you wrote a, another paper. It's a different tack, uh, but it's a fascinating one. Minister's cloak and dagger tactics on <laughs> Merwillumba Super School. This is in New South Wales. Uh, what drew you to this issue? And tell us a bit about it. Well, it, it, the issue of school closures and amalgamations is always something on the agenda of Save Our Schools because that's our origin. We started from a a massive campaign against uh, 
a closure, a proposed closure of 38 schools in Canberra by the ALP government uh, 15 years ago. Now, we've branched out since then, but, but monitoring what happens with school closures and, and amalgamations is one of the things we do as well, just to keep in touch with this issue. And what's happened in Mwilinbar is that the Minister for Education announced at the end of last October that the two primary schools in Mwilinbar, two public primary schools in Mwilinbar and the two high schools will be amalgamated onto one site. There was no consultation and she just announced it and has avoided consulting with those school communities ever since. Now, the interesting fact, the interesting factor we discovered behind this, and mainly because we've been involved in this issue, this kind of issue for some time, is that a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry back in 2015 castigated the, castigated the, the department for not taking account of the views of local school communities when they shut or amalgamated schools. And as a result of that, the then Education Minister, Adrian Pickley, in consultation with the Primary Principals Association and the Secondary Principals Council, came up with a set of protocols for future consideration of school closures or amalgamations. <coughs> Excuse me. And the protocols are very, provide a very detailed step-by-step -step process that that the department should go through whenever the issues are raised. Well, these protocols are still on the New South Wales Department of Education website, but the minister just ignored them. Now, I mean, and, and she just refuses to... She refuses to meet with PNC associations, with Teachers' Federation staff and other community organisations to discuss it. Even the Tweed Valley Council came out and said there was not adequate consultation and called for the amalgamations to be put on hold. So that's the situation, and we decided we, we decided we should, because no one else had picked up the fact that she's ignoring the protocols. Uh, so we we produced a little analysis of what's what's going on, and if I can continue, sure, <laughs> you can shut me up do. if you like. But just imagine, well, there's a couple of points. Just imagine what would happen, and this, is, this would happen anyway. Imagine what would happen to any teacher, a principal like yourself, or a professional in an education department who ignored departmental policies, guidelines, and protocols. What do you reckon would happen? They'd be hauled over the coals. They'd be disciplined, possibly demoted, or even sacked. So, but this minister can just ignore established protocols with impunity. So she adopts a double standard for herself. So what do you think is the purpose of um, ramming through, obviously, a preferred model of a super school by the government? Well, in this case, she hasn't actually enunciated a reason or a justification her only reason is the school community should have a shiny new school. And they're going to be consulted about that. They're going to be consulted on the design of the building, you know, and the colour of the carpets and all that kind of stuff. 
but not on whether the schools should be amalgamated in the first place. If it wasn't so serious, it would be quite laughable. But Isn't yes, it... she hasn't. There's been, and I've read, I've read press releases, I've read newspaper reports on it, and she hasn't actually clearly given a reason why, apart from having a shiny new building, and maybe it's a seat that they they want to they want to have some electoral impact on by having a shiny new building. But it's got um, similarities in some ways to the Shepparton Super School, which you'll be well aware of in Victoria. Mm. And that has been a fiasco. Um, you know, in terms of parent morale, student morale, teacher morale, it's been a fiasco. And given given the resistance to the parent community around Mwilambar, this one could also be a fiasco. Mm. One of the things we went through in the Jeff Kennett uh, government uh, times, and it's continued, uh, where we had lots of school amalgamations and closures uh, in the 90s, Trevor, and I was involved in some of those around South Melbourne. And one of the lessons I think that uh, wasn't learnt was that closing schools immediately in particular communities took no account of what might happen in the decades to come as, as as suburbs regenerate and what happened there and it's not it's not an isolated case is that they closed schools because the numbers were down but 20 years later the numbers grew yeah, of yeah, families yeah. and then they can't buy they can't buy the real estate to build new schools yeah, no that's exactly what happens that's exactly what happens and as you know even in urban areas let alone rural areas like Mwilambar is that the school is is the basis for a local community. I mean, there are shops and services, apart from the, from the families going to the school, there are shops and services around those schools who, that provide a base for them. And and particularly in, in, in rural areas, if you uproot the school, you're uprooting the, the local community. And one of the other things that happen is that uh, you go from the school sizes of around 250 to 300 in case of the primary schools in the Willenbar and around 400 for the high schools. That are school, and those size schools are well suited to the student composition where disadvantaged kids form about 50% of the population of the school population. Um, and so it, the, the up uprooting those kids and putting them into a school of 1,500 or 2,000 kids, it completely disrupts their education. Absolutely, absolutely, Trevor. Time as always gets away from us, Trevor, and on, as always, I, I just want to acknowledge the great work you do on behalf of public education across our country. Uh, you're quite peerless in, in, in your evidence-based research in that area, and I, I just think if we keep chipping away, Trevor, uh, maybe one day we can have you on the program um, before you retire and we'll be able to say, wow, we've now got a fair funding model for our public schools in yeah, our country. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. That's yeah. the aim. If That's people the wanna, aim. <laughs> if people want to get in touch uh, and find out more about what you do, the great work you do, Trevor, how would they do that? Oh, they just go to the um, Save Our Schools website. Absolutely. You quite can just Google, Google or on, on any browser, just, just um, tap in Save Our Schools Australia.
As easy as that, thank you. That was Trevor Cobbold, the National Convener for Save Our Schools, and we're talking there about public education listeners. We'll take a short break. 